0: Uh, Thanks a lot, Beth, for reading that for us. Um, As I was introduced earlier, my name's Drew. If I haven't met you, I am not one of the pastors here at Wollongong Baptist Church. Um, I am just an everyday Christian like everyone, a lot of the people in here, um, and have been given the privilege to speak from God's Word um, tonight. And I think it's a really interesting and challenging passage. So how about I pray and we'll start. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you for... Uh, that we can uh, yeah, learn from it tonight. Well, I pray that you would speak clearly through me um, yeah, what the things that you have to say. and well, I just pray you'd open our hearts and minds into understanding what it is uh, that you want us to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I want to raise of hands. How many of you are content with your boss? You would submit to everything that they ask of you. I'm sure everyone from ICS yes is probably raising their hand for fear of Simon. I don't think Simon's here tonight. <laughs> All right, interesting. No one's happy with their bosses. No. Um, what about our current government? Would you submit to everything that they have to say or legislate, regardless if you feel it is just or unjust, right or wrong? Oh, wow. That's not many. All right. Yeah, we'll move on. Um... So I want you to think back in a time, right, and I'm going to describe a leader for you, and I want you to think if you would submit to this person, and judging by what was said before, it looks like there's not many hands that will submit to it, but we'll go with it. Right, his name was Nero. Nero is an emperor, right? Um, This is about 60 AD, 64 AD, the time that I'm describing. And uh, Nero started out well in diplomacy and trade and... And that was all well and good and even made appearances as an actor and poet and, you know, wanted to make theatres and promoted athletic games and and that you know, sounds all right so far. Um, however, unfortunately, he got a reputation more as compulsive and corrupt and it was alleged that he set fire to Rome so that he could build... like a bigger palace for himself Um, but worse yet he would burn Christians at the stake Um, now a raise of hands again who would submit to this person as their authority you know it's interesting one Peter is talking to this exact group Um, now I want to address a concern that you're probably thinking right now you're probably thinking oh well Drew that's all well and good but we don't have that in Australia like I don't think Malcolm Turnbull was going to put me on fire for what I believe, and thank God he won't. Um, but yeah, like true too that we probably won't come across a situation where we will have, be challenged by our faith and versus the decision that the government wants us to do or legislate, and that's probably true as well. But I think the reality is, if we're honest, and like we saw from last week, um, it's becoming harder and harder for the Christian, I feel, Um, You know, take the legislation of gay marriage that's come through. I think our Christian views are not popular opinion when it comes to um, our society. So I think, you know, as I think it's something worthwhile that we prepare for, that we think about in the future, um, as what this passage has to say. And I think the big question that this passage is asking is why should Christians submit to unjust authority? Why should Christians submit to unjust human authority? I think this is a principle that was relevant back then and relevant now. Uh, So let's dive in and you'll see what I mean. So like all good sermons, I've got three points. Um, And we'll start with our first one. The first one is that it is God's will. Read with me from verse 15. It says this. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Verse 13, if you had a look at it, it says that it is for the sake of the Lord that we submit to every human authority. Do you notice in this passage here, it doesn't say or have exceptions. It's not like, oh, I'll I'll submit to this person because I feel like it or I submit to them because they're good or it's an eye for an eye sort of deal or you know you respect me and I'll respect you type there's none of that it doesn't say any of that in this passage it says to every human authority if you have a look in Romans 13 verse 1 I'll read it to you it says this it says let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established the authorities that exist have been established by God Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God and what, what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. I think it's clear that God has instituted governing authorities for us, and you can see that from both of these passages. Um, I think Romans delves a little deeper and says that rebelling against the governing authorities that God has established is effectively rebelling against God. You see, I think God wants us to submit to authorities. It is God's will. Now, I want to tackle this idea of submission versus obedience because you're probably thinking, okay, well, what's, how do we wrestle with the idea of obeying God and submitting to something? Are they the same? Are they different? So I'll try and demystify that a little bit. Um, I think it's easy to see how those two ideas might work together. But what happens when they differ? Well, I think obedience to God is imperative. That's first and foremost. I think we see that plenty of times in the Bible, right? If we don't obey God first, essentially what we're saying is the authority that we choose is over God. We choose that over God as opposed to choosing God first, right? Right? Now, when that happens and you are to submit to an authority and there's a clash, right? The authority wants you to do something that doesn't help you obey God. What you do is you submit to the consequences of that authority. Okay? Even if obeying God means being punished by human authorities, then so be it. I'll give you a story. So the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Classic story um, in Daniel 3. All right? We've got King Nebuchadnezzar. He commands all his people to bow down to this big idol. right? And the consequence of not doing that was being put in a fiery furnace. It's pretty brutal, isn't it? Um, now, the challenge for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was, well, what do we do? We're, do we obey God or do we just... Follow what Nebuchadnezzar says. Well, what did they end up doing? They ended up not bowing down. They obeyed God first. But notice, though, in that story that they might have disobeyed Nebuchadnezzar, but they submit to the consequences of their actions. They were like, it doesn't matter if we're put in the furnace and God saves us or he doesn't. We submit to him, we obey him, sorry, first and foremost, OK. Why, then, is it God's will for us to submit? Well', look first at first uh, 15. It says that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk. Of foolish people. Now, what is this ignorant talk that the passage talks about? Well, I think back in the time, there was a lot of misunderstanding around Christians. Uh, particularly, one example I can think of is the Lord's Supper. A lot of non Christians thought that that was some sort of cannibalism because they had the bread, which was Jesus' body, the blood, which is the wine, like how what they just misthought and you know, took that as cannibalism. And there was a, several other things that Christians did and did not do that resulted in them having ignorant accusations. However, if someone submits to a human authority and lives an honourable life that's in the sight of God, I think it becomes quite hard to accuse them of something that's quite ignorant, right? I'll give you a story. So I, in my second and third year of university, lived in a share house near the uni um, with three other guys. They were this high, this... No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, I lived with three other guys, most of which i say weren't Christians. Um, and one day I was caught off guard because one of them said to me, um, they, they, they said they were impressed with how genuine my faith was. And I was like, you know, unfortunately I felt like I wish I'd done more to talk to them, but I was kind of surprised that they, that they took such note on my actions. You know, they saw that I consistently went to church, that I went to home group, that I didn't go out and get drunk, take drugs. I didn't argue with them, you know, swearing at them. I did none of that. Um, And from that, it's amazing to see what people notice in your life, regardless if you talk to them about what you believe or not, right? And I feel like if your faith, if your faith is genuine and open, right, it's very hard for others to come across and, and make false accusations against you if they know and see what you do, right? And especially something I found with my roommates. So I feel the concept that Peter's talking about here isn't a difficult one. He spells it out pretty clearly. I think it's absolutely amazing that he gives this concept to people who are under King Nero, who is just absolutely brutal to Christians, right? Right but how does it relate to us? I mean, our prime minister, like I said, is not going to put us or burn us at the stake, and thank God he won't. Um, but I believe the message is still the same as it was then, that we are to submit to those in authority regardless if it is just or unjust. You know, the, um, you might be like, oh, I'm a law-abiding citizen, Drew. I, I do all things. i you know, barely get fined for anything, my little one. But that's all right. You know, I'm a good person. And if that's you, then that's fantastic. It's good that you don't that you're a law-abiding citizen. Enough. But I think the times that um, the times that we aren't submissive, I think, are a lot more subtle. You know, take the case of your boss, for example, who um, asks you to do something, and you want to refuse because you know it's going to clash with what you believe, right? And, you know, maybe the consequence of that is losing your job and you want to fight back for that. You're like, no, that is not right. But I want to ask the question, are you submitting to that authority? Um, I feel your case may be different and we've got to be careful about this, but our actions, even if they have godly intentions are going to cause us pain if that authority disagrees with it. We still need to choose to submit to that authority regardless of the consequence that it comes with. You see, making decisions that are not in line with what you believe is going to create a foolish accusation against you. Alright, let's go on to my next point. So, second point. Let's recap first. So, the reason, the big question that I wanted to ask, why Christians should submit to unjust authority? The second point that I want to answer this question, it is commendable before God. It is commendable before God. Let's read verse 18 to 20. It says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. See, there's this idea for slaves who submit to their masters that you know, even if they do wrong or, sorry, do good for God, and suffer for it—that that's commendable. You know, different versions say that you know, in the sight of God, um, that He's gracious in the sight of God, or God is pleased uh, when you endure unjust treatment. But I feel like it's a bit of an odd thought, like God's pleased that you're going through suffering. Um, let me give you a little bit of context, though. So, slaves in the households that they were under with their masters, their masters expected everyone in the household to submit to the things that he worshipped, or uh, like the gods or idols, for example. Now, that put the Christian slave in a bit of a predicament because on the one hand, they are to obey God. On the other hand, they're to submit to their master and honour their decisions. And so what, does, what do they do? How, what decisions do you make? Well, like I said with the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, God always comes first. And if that meant suffering unjustly, under their master's authority, then so be it. Right? Peter doesn't, I think it's important to note that Peter is not endorsing that God is more pleased with people who are on the lookout for suffering. Like, oh, I'm going to go out and get a bit of suffering here and, I'll, and God will think I'm commendable, commendable before God. Oh, that's fantastic. No, it's not. Um, God, Peter is not saying that. Right? Peter is saying that slaves submit to their masters regardless of the pain that comes with it, if it's for God. It's clear that Peter also doesn't want a bunch of whiners, right, because they got their just punishment. You see that in verse 20 where it says, there is no credit for anyone who wrongs someone and is beaten for it. I think the harder pill, though, to swallow is um, being beaten for something that you've done right. Let me give you another uh, illustration from the Bible. And, well, Daniel and the lion's den, I think, is a good one. You see, Daniel was one of three administrators at the time um, who was supervising the high officers who would oversee all the provinces that King Darius uh, had rule of. Now, Daniel, through his diligence, became very good at what he did, which made the other administrators quite jealous. This jealousy... um, grew into something way worse where they wanted to go to King Darius the other two administrators and they were like oh long live the king let's make a law that ah, for the next 30 days only people can pray to you and no other god if they pray to another god throw them into the lion's den he uh, signed that law now Daniel knew this law and had two choices: He could either wait out the 30 days and just not pray to God and be done with that and you know call it a fast or whatever you want to do, or he keeps God as his ultimate authority and continues praying to him, bringing all his troubles to him. Well, Daniel ended up continuing to pray for three times a day, and as a result of that, went into a lion's den. Um, now, God saved him, but the point I'm trying to make is not that. It's more that what Daniel chose. Daniel chose to submit to the authority's punishment. He chose to obey God and suffer for it. If you come to a point at work where you're pushed into two options, kind of like what I was describing before, one of which leads you to disobey God and the other one leads you to being punished because you obey God what do you choose let's say even you're fearful of sharing your faith with your colleagues with the people you work with you know you might get teased or you're fearful that someone might feel lesser of you or look upon you down upon you because of what you believe what do you do do you just sweep it under the carpet and pretend it doesn't exist or do you actually share your faith and deal with the consequences of it. Have a think. I don't know what your lives are like. You know that better. Have a think. Is there something in your life that's causing you to disobey God? Or is the choice that you're going to make when that comes to be like Daniel, to continue having God first? whatever the consequence. All right. So, question. Why Christians should submit to unjust authority? We've seen that it's God's will, and we've seen that it is commendable before God. Now, all the examples I've given up until this point are nothing. They're inferior to the example of Christ. And that brings me to my final point, and that is Christ suffered for you because Christ suffered for you. Let's look at verse twenty one to twenty five. Says To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins, In his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You see, Peter here, he's showing a perfect example for us. Christ suffered for us, giving us the ultimate example in how suffering under unjust authority looks like. You see, Christ, he never sinned. He never tried to get anyone to believe something that wasn't true. He never fought back when he was insulted. He never threatened anyone when he was being persecuted. He gave all his problems, everything to God, the ultimate authority and just judge. Now, as you listen and hear and read all of that, I feel like you know all these points are fairly self-explanatory. We all know we shouldn't deceive anyone, we shouldn't insult anyone, we shouldn't dish out threats. Um, we know we should give everything to God. This is all head knowledge things I feel for a lot of us. But if you honestly examine yourself, how much of it do you actually do? As followers of Jesus, I think it also paints an expectation. That we suffer for the sake of being made right with God, for having that relationship with God, having a faith. I think because it's exactly what happened to Jesus. Jesus saved us by suffering on the cross, even though he did absolutely nothing wrong. You see, I think there's an expectation for us that we will probably go through suffering even though we did absolutely nothing wrong. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did nothing wrong in the eyes of God. The authorities they came under thought differently, though. But what they did was the right thing. They kept Christ, they kept God first. Daniel knew that a law passed preventing him from praying to God. But he continued. That was the right thing to do. When you go into your workplace and are challenged by uh, sharing your faith with others... The wrong thing to do would be to fear that and be, and just not do anything, just ignore it and you know do your Monday to Friday life and whatnot. That's the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do is to suck it up and know that Jesus has gone through way worse than you or I have put together. Now, we're given this example, but why? Why should we follow Christ's example? Look at verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. we We follow not because we are called, not just because we're called, but follow because he suffered the ultimate pain that is more than all of us in the world put together. Why? So that you and I can have a right relationship with God not to be tied down by our sin, but to live with the good news that our relationship has been made right. Jesus is the good shepherd we can turn to. He has our best interests at heart. He knows what it's like to suffer and be mocked, accused, slandered against, and even killed. So can I encourage you to keep praying and keep studying his word? Keep your eyes fixed on him. Christ is our example we need to imitate. Now, you might be in the camp, not literally, but you might be in the situation where you feel that you're not going through much suffering. And if that's you, that's fantastic. You know, suffering's not a pleasant thing and nor are we commanded or does Peter endorse it in his letter. But there's something that I was challenged from this week and something that I challenge you if that's you. If you're not going through much suffering is it because you are not opening up your life to others? If you're not going through much suffering, is it because you're not opening up your life to others? Is the gospel being shown through your actions? Are you a Sunday Christian, but come Monday, you are like everyone else at your workplace? If this is you, and I understand this is, this is a hard one, can I ask that you be bold, that you... Put yourself out there. Let your life be an example to others. Be open in conversation. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat it or promote that it's easy. You know, the Bible gets us ready for suffering, especially for what we believe. Can I make this, this your challenge, if that is you? Think about where you are with God and with others. All right, let's wrap it up. So, big question. Why should Christians submit to unjust authority? First Peter has given us three reasons. Firstly, that it is God's will for us to submit to every human authority. It's seen that it is commendable before God, not because we must suffer, but that we are obeying our ultimate authority. And finally, because it's Christ's example given to us. He went through incredible suffering for you and for me because the penalty To be made right with him was worth it. I hope you can see the importance of one Peter has to say. But choice comes down to you now. As you leave those doors over there, you can do one of two things. You can keep doing what you've always done. You can keep going through the same motions at work. You can keep criticising government for all sorts of things that you think are right or wrong. And submitting to the things that you feel are right... You can continue to be salty about suffering that you're going through and even blame God for it. Or you do what we've learnt tonight. You submit to every human authority you come under, regardless if it is good, bad, just or unjust. Because as a believer, you know that it is God's will, you know that it is commendable before God, and you know that Christ has been there before. If you're convicted by anything that's been said tonight, then can I ask that you seek to change then? Lean on Christ. Bring your struggles to him. Do as he's commanded us to do. If you need prayer, come see me. Come see Mark or Rod, and we'd be happy to pray for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it has such a living impact in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to lean on you to submit to the authorities that we come under because, Lord, this is your will, that it is commendable before you. And, Lord, thank you for Christ who has been there all before, who suffered for us the ultimate pain so that we could be made right in a right relationship with you. In Christ's name.